0: situation that are more powerful that my current situation is more powerful <laughs> you know I've got a jeep that has been acting up for about the last three months and and it consumes my thoughts at times because like how much more money can I put into this thing and get it to run and yet I start realizing today it's nothing you know it's nothing It it is not. It's not a giant. It will become a giant if I let it. The fires will begin to feel a little hot if I let them. But it's a choice. We have to choose how we're going to live our lives. The longer I walk with God, the more I realize that I have not arrived yet. That I'm still learning that I'm still growing, that I'm still coming to a place of understanding that God has so much more for me to experience, to know. God is an experiential God. He wants us to know Him in every aspect of who He is, and yet, if we want to experience Him from a distance, He is willing to allow us to do that, and we miss out. You know? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that their life could be required of them and they said it's okay. If if God chooses to let us die in the midst of this moment, it's okay. But we believe our God is able to deliver us. And if that's His will, He will show up today. And if we approach every situation in our life with that understanding that this situation, if God chose to deliver us from it, he is more than able that if he wants us to go through the fire, there is a reason we're going through it and we need to understand that in the midst of this situation that we are in, that our understanding of who God is will be elevated everyone will know how we see God in the midst of the fire See, it's when things are easy in life that we really can talk, you know, loud and and bold about who God is. But in the midst of the fire really is what you believe, is who God truly is in your life. And so we're going to sing this one more time. We're going to end, you know, this time this year, our last service of uh, 2019. I'm excited about it, but I believe God still wants to do something in your life and so if you are in the midst of a fire if you're in the midst of a battle with a giant and let's be honest the fire's getting a little hot let's be honest the giant's scaring you a little bit the children of Israel were all afraid they were fearful David sees him and says who is this uncircumcised Philistine he he didn't see a threat he saw an annoyance He saw someone who was out of place. And that situation in your life is out of place. It is wanting to exert a level of influence in your life that it does not have the right to control. And so you have to choose how you're going to approach the situation in life. So as we continue to worship, these altars are open. I'm going to invite you to come and to spend some time at the altar that you would become more acquainted with the God who is present in the fire not just someone you read about so let's keep worshiping here for a moment seated this morning. I want to prepare you and prepare our worship team also. Next Sunday is going to be a different service for us. It is going to open up with worship then we're going to have a moment of sharing and meet in the midst. Of that we're going to have we're going to have stations of prayer set up throughout the sanctuary. And during our morning worship, we're actually going to launch our time of prayer and fasting for the week. So you're going to be able to bounce around at different places and pray. We're going to come back together and sing a couple songs. We're going to go back and pray some more. Um, and it's going to be a time of worship and prayer. There'll be a few moments in the midst of that that I'll be sharing just some of the vision for next year, but we're going to spend a lot of time in prayer and worship next week, starting our year, and that launches us into our week of prayer and fasting. So a week from tomorrow, we will start meeting at the church every Monday or every night from six to seven for a time of prayer, and uh, we invite you to come out. And there'll be some music, just some instrumental music playing. And we go around and we just pray for that hour. And then at the end of that hour, we come together and pray together. Whoever is able to make it out. There are no activities. Um, We invite, you know, the kids, everyone come and teach them how to pray. If you have any young kids, teach them how to pray. We've got, there's going to be literally stations of prayer throughout the entire sanctuary. And you can walk them through and, and teach them. There are going to be some prayers that you can pray some scriptures you can read, but we've set this up to where it is as uh, easy to understand this process as possible for those who have never walked through it. And it also takes us deeper into an awareness of who God is and what he desires to do. And so I want you to be prepared for that for next week. Uh, Worship, prayer, um, launching into 2020 with a greater level of uh, encouragement, and uh, preparation for this new year. I'm excited for it, so be ready. Also want to remind you that um, there is no Wednesday night services this week, um, and so we, uh, this week uh, is our last week of all the time off Celebr- or being able to spend time with your family. We want to encourage you to, to do that. In the foyer, um, our mailbox is out there for all the Christmas cards from uh, the last couple weeks. Please do make sure you pick those up. And what we'll do is, uh, those that are not picked up this week, we'll take out of the box and just have them out there on the uh, the uh, bo- or out there on the uh, center island there um, for next week as you uh, come back. But we want you to get those today if you're able. Also, these poinsettias up here at the front at the end of service. I invite you to take one home with you if you would like. They are free to go home with you. Um, so they need to leave today. Next Sunday after service, we will be taking down all of our Christmas decorations and putting them away. So that's, that gives you a little bit of information for where we're going. All right. Uh, I'm going to probably abuse this name, but that's okay. Uh, Shehoya uh, Yokomoye spent 28 years of his life in prison it was not a prison of bars and locks and wardens but a self-imposed prison of fear he was a japanese soldier on the island of guam during world war ii and when the american forces landed he fled to the jungle and found a cave in which he hid for 28 years because he was afraid of being captured by the americans He learned that the war was over by reading one of the thousands of pamphlets dropped into the jungle, but he was afraid. So for 28 years, he lived in the cave, coming out only at night to look for roaches, rats, and frogs, and mangoes on which he survived. Finally, some natives found him and convinced him that it would be all right for him to come out of his jungle prison. We think, what a waste. Imagine spending 28 years living as a prisoner of fear and yet there are those that i know all around us that live a life controlled by fear how many of you have ever been afraid of something yeah there are fears whether you find them to be rational or irrational Um, i I know there are people that as soon as a storm hits um, as soon as there's a crack of thunder Um, they are just beside themselves. We had a dog in South Dakota that literally could not handle thunder. And he was, it was a big Airedale Terrier. And this dog would destroy things if you left it outside in the midst of a storm. Uh, He would get into that house whatever way he could. He was so afraid of the storm. But I know people that way as well. And if we don't confront those things, it is easy for that, that fear to control us. How many of you have ever been restricted from a level of living because of a fear? There's some of you, see? Fear has the ability to control our lives if we let it. But who is the author of that fear? Satan is, yeah. Yeah, Scripture tells us that God is not the author of fear. He's, he doesn't want us to live a life in in fear and being afraid to go about doing all that he wants to do. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Um, one of the, the translation that I'm going to be reading out of this next year is really one that I've I've enjoyed. I'll encourage you on that. It is called the New Interva- New International Readers Version. You'll see it N I R V. And it really has some great insight as I've read. So that's what my passages are out of this morning. It says this, Those children have bodies made out of flesh and blood. So Jesus became human-like in order to die for them. By doing this, He could break the power of the devil. The devil is the one who rules over the kingdom of death. Jesus could set people free who were afraid of death all their lives they, they were held as slaves by that fear. By fear. Being um, a chaplain in a hospice organization, I talk with people all the time, uh, that are afraid of death. Um, I've had people come up and talk to me about it on a regular basis. Is, How can you not be afraid of dying? Well, let's be honest. We're dying every day. Now, I know that's not a pleasant Uh, process but we didn't come into this world to live forever We, we came into this world to live and scripture says that it is appointed unto every one of us here a day of death so if we already if we can accept that on the the front side then we can live life differently throughout our life not being afraid of it now that doesn't mean that we don't make some decisions along the way to make sure that we're lengthening our life i i give my daughter a hard time because every time i pick up a a bag of potato chips she she tells me to put it down because she wants me to be there uh, for her for her children for my grandchildren through her and so it's like okay i'll put the bag of potato chips i'm moving back into that phase of life where i have to you know move away from the potato chip again it's become my curse um It's just a choice, you know. We all bring in our own choices. Some people are afraid of dying from, you know, certain things, you know. And I'm not afraid of dying, but that also may influence some of the other decisions I make, you know. If you're not afraid of dying, sometimes you don't always live and take care of yourself the best way possible and i'm not saying that to make us be afraid of dying i'm saying we have to choose to live to its fullest and so we have to make decisions that give us the greatest opportunity to influence and make a difference in our world so the challenge for us today is to live in such a way that our lives reflect our belief structure even as i talked about in our (coughs) in our worship ceremony in our time of worship If our words that we sing in our songs of worship, if the things that we read in Scripture only tend to pacify us in the midst of moments of conflict in our life, and they don't provide us with a real peace, we're missing out on the point of what we're reading. We're missing out on this this life with God that He wants us to experience. And as I was preparing this week and looking at some of the uh, authors and some of the writers of our uh, um, scriptures, uh, God chose and has ordained the Jewish people as his people. Um, He has set them apart, scripture says. Now if you go into the Jewish culture, the Jewish culture was a celebratory culture. They celebrated lots of events in the life of, of young people, of adults. They, they had different celebrations. And their celebrations weren't, oh, we're going to come together for a couple hours. Their celebrations could last sometimes a couple weeks. Can you imagine that? A, a two-week long celebration. That your marriage celebration wasn't just you know an hour after your wedding. It was a two-week-long process. Uh, what would you think about that, Sydney? just spending two weeks celebrating? <laughs> Tiring. <laughs> but see, the, the more I began to read about this, see, all of the celebration events that the Jewish people experienced actually were in preparation. They were giving themselves a mindset. They were anticipating a future celebration. Their cel- the celebrations that they they actively participate in still today are in anticipation for what God is going to do. Their preparations, they're they're prophetic. They are prophesying into their lives that which they believe is going to happen one day. And our celebrations really are just times that we want to highlight something for a moment. And then we pass. You know, I was talking to my wife about this. Scripture says that when one person gives their, their, their life to God, when one person comes into a relationship with God, Scripture says that all of heaven rejoices they have a party now i am almost certain that they don't just have a little clap offering (laughs) you know which sometimes we are prone to they celebrate they're excited for it the jewish people understood that and they live their lives in such a way that they celebrated those events In preparation, Revelation 19:7 really lays it out for us. It says, Let us be joyful and glad. Let us give him glory. It is time for the Lamb's wedding. His bride has made herself ready. And see, the Jewish people understood themselves to be the bride of Christ. And they have made themselves ready, and they're ready for the wedding. They're excited. We don't have the same level of excitement. As a matter of fact, and, and I don't mean to be this to be a downer for anybody here, but sometimes we have the ability to have just a minor event in life squelch any level of joy and we come into church as if the worst situation in the world has just happened to us. And it could be that they quit carrying our coffee brand. Now, how many, let's be honest, how many of us have ever had a moment where we, we pouted because someone discontinued a sandwich we like or a drink that we like and it was no longer going to be available? And we were acting like, oh my goodness, how am, how am I going to make it? Church i just be honest, we need to live differently. Those things that don't matter should not influence how we worship God, how we live out our faith. What do they communicate to the world around us? When you look at the children of Israel as God walked with them, you know from you know all the way back in the beginning all the way through the thousands of years that we have recorded for us in scripture the children of Israel had this this challenge where God would come in and show up as this great deliverer as their redeemer as their savior and they would rejoice and then they would forget about his good deeds and they would go back into some of the things that had influence their life so negatively and then captivity would come and then god would they would cry out to god again and and god would come back into their life psalm 106 47 helps us to understand some of that says lord our god save us (laughs) bring us back from among the nations then we will give thanks to you because your name is holy we will celebrate you by praising you. This whole process is a a cyclical process that unfortunately the children of Israel and still us today, we still walk through this where God becomes our great deliverer and then we walk back into the very thing that God delivered us out of. We don't realize the the things that it brings about and i believe the attitude of god. Do you know god has an attitude? See, we're fashioned in his likeness. So those things that you experience every day, those thoughts, those emotions, god is not void of them. He's the author of them. <laughs> Isaiah 113, i believe is one of those moments where god was spewing out some of his His thoughts regarding the frustration that he had towards the children of Israel. He says, Stop bringing offerings that do not mean anything to me. I hate your incense. I can't stand your worthless gatherings. I can't stand the way you celebrate your noon moon feasts and Sabbath days and special services. Now you can go on into the book of Isaiah, and it's a tremendous book that gives us a revelation into the coming Christ and, and all the things. But I think in this we had a raw moment into the, uh, who God was, that He was so tired and frustrated at the children of Israel that they, they had all these moments where they seeped back into that lifestyle that He had delivered them out of. And He was saying, listen, I'm so tired of it, Stop! Quit coming to me like this. What would you do on Sunday morning if you were getting ready for church and you had a a bad attitude and all of a sudden this voice from on high comes into your bedroom and says, Don't even try coming to church today because what you have I don't want. Have we ever said that to our children as they were bringing some level of, of negativity or, you know, of some level of attitude to accomplishing what was set before the, us, them to do? We told them, listen, I don't want that. Don't bring that in here. We influence every situation we come into, everyone. See, whether you realize it or not, if you come into this place with an attitude that does not reflect the glory of God, that does not direct our attention to God, you will influence those around you. Now, I'm not telling you every moment is going to be all, you know, candy and you know, kisses and all those things and and, and all these happy-go-lucky moments. But I'm saying it doesn't have, just because things aren't going the way we thought it should, doesn't mean that our attitude should be this gloomy gus. We have the ability to control our attitude. I'm not saying putting on something, although Scripture does tell us in the book of Colossians that we are to put on Christ. Christ. So, in some ways, when we come to church, we're putting on Christ. We're putting on a disposition. We're putting on an attitude. We're putting on a framework that gives us the ability to live our lives in such a way that we will bring glory and honor to God. I can't do that for you. I was so glad when my kids could dress themselves. I still struggle with it. I buy a lot. My clothes... If, if they're not universal, I question some things. I'll, uh, in the morning, I'll get up and I'll pull this shirt and this pair of pants like, do these go together? My wife's still sleeping. It's like, I really can't ask, wake her right now and ask her, do these go together? So sometimes I just, I'll just roll the dice and I'll try it. And I have never had any, my, my children may have said that that doesn't really go together, but that's okay. You know, they are supposed to let me know, keep me, you know, looking good. You know my 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 dress you know decor is probably not as focused as it should be in areas, but uh, I'm just wanting us to understand that our lives should reflect a relationship that we are glad to be in every day. To live as if we are worshiping a risen Savior. You know, the children of Israel didn't do it wrong all the time. There are times they got it right. Psalm five seven said, They celebrate your great goodness. They sing the, for joy about your holy acts. See, that's where God wants us to be. Not just focusing all the time on all the negativity, all the things that are not working the way we want them to. Let's spend a few moments celebrating what God is doing good in your life. About the things that He is accomplishing in and through you. What would happen every morning if you spent the first 15 minutes of your day focusing on the goodness of God? Upon the things that He has done for you? Upon the things that He desires to do in your life. See, that's where the Jewish people had it so right, is they believed that the things that they were doing today were prophetic for what was going to happen. And they are for us today, whether we realize it or not. The things that we are saying today about ourselves and our day are prophetic for what we want to do down the road. And if we want to live in such a way that we see the glory of God being poured out, then we need to begin to proclaim His goodness, the good deeds, the things that He is doing. And if God isn't doing anything in your life, then there's another question you have to ask yourself. There's another situation you need to address. Because I believe when we are walking in a way where God is walking in relationship with us, that His goodness will flow over to us. And actually, Scripture says that when God's goodness is influencing my life, if I'm coming close to Paul, the goodness of God can flow on to Paul because I'm close to him. Do you realize that? that when you are walking in what God has for you, that you have the ability to influence those around you in a positive way. Just like if you bring a stinky attitude into church, you can influence those around you. Now, unfortunately, I've done this in my home. I've come into my own home with a bad attitude, and all of a sudden, everybody is angry, yelling at everybody. Has anybody else ever been there? If I have that much ability to bring that kind of stuff into my home or into my church, what if I brought in the joy of the Lord? What if before I came through the threshold of my house, I made a decision to set aside, to lay aside all the things that would hold me back, that would restrain me? What if I let there be a cleansing fire take place, that remove the the chains, the ropes that are wanting to bind me to a way of thinking or living. See, next week, you're going to see as you're going around to these different areas, um, prayers that we're going to pray for God to release provision in your life. Those of you that are struggling financially, God's Word speaks very clearly that He will take care of His own. But we need to begin to proclaim those things in our lives. If you're struggling with your children, there are passages that deal with the fact that God gives us the ability to speak over our children things that will bring them to a place of alignment with His will and His way. If you're struggling with addiction, God has lots in His Word that speak to our ability to overcome addiction. But we need to begin to read and to pray those things in our lives and then believe them. And it's not a one and done. It, is, it may take you saying this same prayer seven days a week for the next six months. Now they have proven medically that it takes three months to develop a habit. Three months of doing the same thing every day to develop habit three months you know how many days it takes to break a good habit one <laughs> it takes you 30 days to or it takes you 90 days to set a habit it takes you one day to destroy it see the enemy has made it in such a way that we and he is he rules and reigns down here god's given him authority but he only has authority that we allow him to have Even though he's the ruler of the the principalities and powers of the air for this period of time, God has still given us authority over him. But if we listen to him, he's going to tell us, oh, I have all authority over you. I have all control. And if we listen to that and believe it, then he does. But if you will take your rightful place, as a son or daughter of God, then whatever the enemy is throwing at you, you're going to say, listen, that has been put under the blood of Christ. I am no longer bound to those things. Yes, there was a period of time in my life I lived in such a way that I am not pleased with. But that is not who I am today. I've been delivered. I've been set free. Those are things we have to say to remind ourselves of who God has called us to be. I am righteous in the eyes of God. Now, we have to live that way once we make that statement. (laughs) Because the enemy is going to keep coming at us every time we blow it. And so it is is required of us that when we make a mistake, that we deal with it. Now, praise God, you don't have to come to church every Sunday just to deal with your mistakes. You can deal with them, bam, right there on the spot, wherever you're at when the Holy Spirit brings something to your mind that you blew it, like you said something to somebody that you shouldn't have, you were rude, you were inconsiderate, you cut somebody off in traffic, and you just simply say, listen, I am... Lord, forgive me. That was wrong. And then we make it right where we're able to. Now, that peop- the people that you cut off in traffic, you don't always have the ability to make those things right. Because if you chase them down, you have other issues. But I'm saying... You have the abil- where you have the ability to make something right in the life of someone else to do it. But I want to encourage you to live in such a way that there is this, this attitude of celebration rising within you so that when you are dealing with the trials and struggles of the day, that you focus on the celebratory nature of God that is prophetic for the things that God wants to do in our future. I look at our church and where God has taken us this year. And we have great moments to, to celebrate. God has taken us from a point where a year ago we were, you know, fifteen thousand or so dollars in the hole, to now we're in the positive ten or twelve thousand. You know, that's and, and all the bills have been paid. You know, so that's because we have been faithful to continue doing what God set before us. We've seen individual growth in people. We've seen programs. We, in the midst of all the other things happening, we started um, we started a new uh, some new programs to develop training for. Uh, pre-marriage counseling which has been utilized um, in several different situations not all from our church we've been able to bless many in our community with some some godly premarital counseling we started our grief share group which is um, ministering and touching people in the midst of their lofts which by the way is this coming um, thursday we'll be meeting again downstairs in the fellowship hall We also started our school of ministry this year, and we've been able to participate in that. We've got four students in it now, uh, so I'm excited about that. There's a lot of good things that God is doing. Our youth group is growing, and and there is real-life transformation happening in those young people. If you you don't recognize it, then you, you have missed on some of the things that they're trying to share with us on a weekly basis because i I believe you can't sit down with one of our young people and not see some of the actual transformation is happening and god wants to do more god wants to transform your life but you have to you have to want it (laughs) no one can make it happen in your life This next year, I am so excited about this next year and what God's going to do. There is going to be some tremendous uh, opportunity for you to do something significant for God in your own life, um, and the ministries that God is going to develop in and through you. But you have to want it. This year, part of our focus has been to learn and to grow and to serve and then to start that cycle again in our lives to find an area and we've seen our our whole volunteer group grow as a church we have more people serving in different areas of ministry than we've ever had which is fantastic god's just not done and it doesn't mean because you serve in one area that god's done with you some of you i think are just finding out that god has so much more for you with the gifts and talents that he's afforded you and he wants you to use them in new ways and this year is going to be a year for you to understand that even more for you to see those things, for you to understand it. Praying for vision in those areas. We're going to have an area uh, of one of our stations of prayer that prays for vision for you personally and for, your, and for the church. So I'm excited about it. I, I hope you are. I hope you can find something within you to begin to rejoice about because God's doing something. Even if it's not been the greatest year of your life, I pray that you can look back on this year and think, man, I am so thankful that God has been with me through all this. And focus there. Start there. Start somewhere. Find something that you can focus on. And then begin to rejoice, to celebrate. And as different things come up in your life, develop an attitude, develop a culture of celebration in your life and in your family's life. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to be manifested in my family, but I know after my time of prayer and preparation for today that those are things that I want to be more um, readily understood even in my own family life. I want to know more of a celebratory uh, culture in my family because, man, I have so much to be thankful for. You know, God has blessed us so much. But it's up to me to set those things in motion. God isn't going to come in there and and manhandle me and do it. I have to choose to do it. And if God you're not seeing God do in you and you know, in your family what you believe he wants, it starts with you. You have to get a change your mindset. You know, and then not just change your mindset, start doing something about it. It starts every morning. Get up in the morning with a mindset that believes God wants to do something in your life. That he has something good for you to do today. Can you do that with me? Can you take this week to begin to set a mindset that not only allows you to end the year well, but prepares you to start the year in the best place possible? I invite you to come next Sunday with such anticipation of God doing something great. I am not telling you that we will be out by noon. So I'm just letting you know, I have no idea how late Sunday will go. Um, And and I'm not giving you any excuses for it. We are going to worship and pray and prepare for our time of prayer prayer and fasting and and i invite you if you've never come out to our time of prayer and fasting make this year your year you know we we averaged last year about 15 18 people a night praise god we can do better i know nobody likes fasting nobody likes giving up food you know but hey if we want to allow our lives to be controlled by what we eat then we can continue doing what we are. Uh, There's a couple of books that we started talking about in Sunday school this morning. Um, One of them is by Jensen Franklin. Uh, It's called um, Fasting. Wife, can you tell me the names of those again? So, Jensen Franklin, Fasting, Opening the Door to a Deeper and More Intimate, More Powerful Relationship with God. And the other one is by John Eckhart, uh, Fasting for Breakthrough and Deliverance. And so we start talking about these. There is a, um, if you have a, an account with the public library, any of the public libraries, they have an online um, uh, resource called Hoopla that you can download and it'll connect with your library account and you can actually listen to both of these books for free you don't even have to buy them you don't even have to read them you can just download the account the the product and and listen to them so i invite you to to resource yourself with knowledge on what this week of prayer and fasting or this month some people just outside the door here i've got some sheets on the daniel fast which is typically a a 21 day fast that primarily focuses on on vegetables fruits and vegetables you know it avoids meats and 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 certain other you know products that have been you know uh that have byproducts in them so um but I've given you some sheets on there. I, just about any of you in here you know, are on the internet or Facebook, and you can type in Daniel Fast. It'll lay it out for you. Um, but these two books are really um, some of the books that I think right now, I think, speak to where I think God wants to set our mindset for where we're going. And so I invite you to download these and listen to them this week. Prepare yourself. You know, my job is to equip you for the works of ministry. And part of the equipping today is telling you, um, you need to do a little bit more work this week. It's not just that I'm spoon feeding you. I I am telling you to to allow some other resources to come to your mind. A lot of times I will buy books and just make them available to you. This time I'm telling you, they're out there for free. Just, Just access them. Listen to them. I, we all have lots of downtime. Give up a few TV shows this week. <laughs> I heard a gasp there. <laughs> it's all right. Even kids can do it. We have to teach them that they can do it. So take some time this week. Prepare yourself. In the year well. Enjoy time with family this week. But come back next week preparing for battle. Because I guarantee you, when you decide that you're going to fast and pray, everybody in the world is going to invite you over for special desserts and meals. It it, it happens. It's, it's the uh, control of the enemy over food, you know. And um, sometimes it just happens because we're around people that like to eat. That's our culture. And you have to say, listen, I... I you don't have to make a big deal out. oh, I can't do that. I'm on, my church is requiring that I fast. Please don't do that. I'm not requiring you to do anything. That's, that's between you and God. Because listen, if you're fasting for me, you're going to get zero out of it. But if you're fasting to, to get closer to God, I guarantee you God's going to open you up to new things that He wants to do. Don't blame me for your stuff. Whether you eat or don't eat, it's between you and God. I'm not going to stand before God and give account for whether you ate or didn't eat. I will stand before God and, and give account for whether or not I was obedient for what God told me to do and how I influenced my family. That's what I'm responsible for. That's what you're responsible for too. So seek God this week and then be ready next week to put it into action. You know how to do that. I believe in you. So, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine. I didn't write that, you did. Your word declares that. That means that you have so much greater hope and vision for us than what we have for ourselves. And yet, you still have placed your power and your authority in us because you know that we can take it and run with it and do great things with it. So, Father, I pray that this week we will take it and we will run with it and we will become familiar with it and we will begin to put it into practice in new ways in our lives. Guide and direct us, I pray. I pray for all those from our our church that are home today that are dealing with sickness. Father, I pray health. I pray healing. I pray deliverance. I pray uh, fulfilled uh, bodily uh, restoration in their lives right now. Whatever they're dealing with, Father, bring deliverance to them. And uh, Father, we just give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Ushers, if you'd come, we're going to wait upon you for a morning tithes and offering. Remember, your Christmas cards in the box, the sheets if you want them for the Daniel fast, take a poinsettia home. Um, I think that's it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to give. We pray you multiply to meet the needs of the church, the kingdom of God that you've called us to reach into. We pray your blessing on each giver today, and we ask for this in your name. Amen. Any testimonies as we prepare to.